In a world where uncertainty reigns supreme, where shadows of chaos dance at every turn, one truth emerges unyielding. Preparation is not a luxury, but a lifeline. Behold the Wellness Company, a beacon of readiness amidst the tempestuous seas of fate. Envision a sanctuary of tranquility, where the tumult of unforeseen medical crises finds no purchase. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit stands as a bastion of assurance, a fortress of resilience against the unseen foes of health. Within its sacred confines lie the tools of salvation. Ivermectin, to ward off the insidious whispers of disease. Emergency antibiotics, to quell the raging storms of infection. Antivirals, to vanquish the relentless tides of contagion and more. The Wellness Company Medical Emergency Kit is not merely a collection of supplies. It is the embodiment of preparedness itself. Crafted by the hands of esteemed healers led by luminaries such as Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. James Thorpe, Dr. Harvey Risch, and Dr. Drew Pinsky, this kit stands as the pinnacle of safety, the zenith of prevention. These truth-seeking doctors have forged a testament to vigilance, a testament to the unwavering pursuit of well-being. Embrace the certainty that comes from being armed against adversity. Embrace the Wellness Company, for in its embrace lies the promise of resilience, the promise of a brighter tomorrow amidst the chaos of today. Don't wait for the next crisis to strike. Visit twc.health forward slash strange planet and use promo code strange planet for an exclusive 10% discount. Prepare today and rest easy tomorrow. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. There is a facility beneath Sugarloaf Mountain, which is near the Chimney Rock facility in Lake Florida. And the government has bought additional parkland so that this place can only be approached by one road. And the first time I was there, that road was a hairpin gravel road all the way up. Not easy to travel. It has since been upgraded. Huge electrical cables have been put in. We actually talked to people who had seen as many as 20 of those huge electric trucks at one time on that road. And again, it was a narrow gravel road originally. And they installed cables that were like 10 inches in diameter that went up the mountain. And at the top of the mountain, there are only eight houses. So there is no excuse for having that kind of electrical power being sent up there. And when you get up to the top, then those cables go under the ground. If you enjoy Conspiracy Unlimited, why not become a Conspiracy Unlimited Plus member? For just $1.99 per month, you'll gain access to two bonus, exclusive commercial-free episodes per month, plus access to my back catalog of episodes. To subscribe, just go to conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com and click on Gain Access to Premium Episodes. Again, Go to conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com and click on Get Access to Premium Episodes or click on the link in the episode notes. Conspiracy Unlimited Plus for less than $2 per month. Why not sign up today? 
Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard Serrett. Underground bases, subterranean bases, UFO military bases in North Carolina. Mary Joyce has worked for two major metropolitan area newspapers as a writer, columnist, artist, Sunday magazine editor, and feature editor. On the side, she's written magazine articles and a number of books. And currently, she's editor of the Sky Ships Over Cashiers website, which features cutting-edge topics. Hey, Mary, how are you? I'm doing fine. Hope you are, too. Tell me a little bit about the Smoky Mountains and your your region of North Carolina. Okay, I live in western North Carolina where all the mountains are. And when I moved here in 1998, I had no idea how many wonderful, intriguing topics there are hidden in these mountains. And you and I have talked about some of them, like the little pe- Cherokee little people. Uh, we also have Bigfoot. We have the underground facilities, which I think is something you want to talk about today. Uh, and of course we have UFOs. Well, let's, let's talk about subterranean bases because people are talking about the possibility of a new Area 51, uh, right underfoot where you are. Uh, what is, what is PARI? P-A-R-I. What does that stand for? It stands for Pisca Astronomical Research Institute, which is the reason everybody has nicknamed it PARI. P-A-R-I. And of the underground bases that I've written about, that is the oldest of the the five that I've written about. And it's under the, technically under the Balsam Mountain Ridge, um, again, here in western North Carolina. Well, tell me about it. When when did it open and, and what are they doing there? It started out many years ago as part of the Department of Defense, and it was a satellite tracking station. Um, and then it has evolved. And um, it is now um, sold as an astronomical research institute. It's supposed to be strictly educational, but there's still very odd things that happen around there, including people in military uniforms that are sometimes uh, guarding the gate and sometimes aren't. Um, but I have been able to interview uh, people with high security clearance, um, and they unanimously tell me it is uh, a deep underground facility. Two of them have said it is six stories deep and that it's totally self-sufficient. It has electricity and water and uh, roadways. Um, and it's uh, very self-sufficient. Now, if it was, as it has been described, kind of a, a how did you say it, an, astro, an astrological... Or an astrophysicist's kind of laboratory? How did you describe it initially? Um, most of us around here uh, refer to it as a capstone cover. Um, this is the kind of astronomy place that just um, basically is aimed at students or university-type researchers. Um, much of the heavy-duty equipment that has been there, all the different satellite dishes and things of that nature, 
most of them have been moved out once it ceased to be part of the Department of Defense. At least they say it's no longer part of that. Um, but there's so much strange activity. I was contacted at one point by uh, a man who'd had a supervisory position in the Air Force, and he and his uh, at least one of his buddies had been checking out all the area around Perry uh, before they contacted me. I think they'd been doing it for like maybe five or six months. And, they're, you know, it's just nice to get confirmation from more and more people who have that kind of background rather than just, you know, us ordinary folks who might not understand what's going on. And they said one thing that was very peculiar was uh, on one occasion when they went by the gate to go into the facility, there was a man in um, a SWAT uniform guarding the gate. And... Then other times that gate is wide open and people can come in. They do seem to discourage people from just showing up, uh, at least at certain times. Uh, and other times you can, you know, just drive into the facility. Have you been there? Uh, I have been to the gate. I actually, you might find this strange. I was warned not to go past the gate. And so I have been, um, I've gotten all my information inside from people who, uh, have been inside. And um, as you may or may not know, I prefer also to be the one that brings the story rather than being the story. Right, right. Now, who told you, who warned you not to go past the gate, Mary? Um, I cannot tell you that part, but uh, I was warned that it would not be good because they know who I am and you might not want to be there. I have experienced things uh, even being close to the gate. Um uh, on one occasion, I was in the car with uh, three other people, and as we got closer, we all began to get this real strange sensation in our heads, uh, kind of like an electromagnetic, uh, electromagnetic effect, and it made you feel weird, and it made you want to get away from the place. And when we did leave the area, then that dissipated. A second time when I went there, and again I was with other people, we all experience the same uh, same thing. I call it people repellent. Um, one of the um, uh, people with high security clearance that told me about this place uh, said that they have electromagnetic uh, energy they can uh, shoot out from there. That apparently must be rather common because another place that I've written about is a facility beneath the Smoky Mountain National Park. And we've had people had the same experience getting close to where that place is. Well, that's interesting because electrogravitics, uh, that type of technology, which is some say is behind UFO propulsion, uh, is said to have that same type of effect. So is it possible that rather than they, they're having some sort of a deliberate people propellant system, as you call it, you're simply experiencing the propulsion system of the UFOs that may be stationed at that base. Um, I would have no way of knowing that. I can tell you that people that live in the area see quite a few UFOs. There is a lake to the west of the facility called Wolf Lake, and it has been reported that they've seen UFOs go in and out of that lake, which might be uh, a way of entering uh, that underground facility. Uh, as you know, the, the UFOs 
Some people like to call them also USOs, but they're the same thing. If they're impervious to the air, they're impervious to the water. Right, right. Uh, unidentified submersible objects. So, um, is that right? Is that, did I, is that the correct acronym, uh, USO? You're right target. It's a term I don't use very often because I don't really think there's much distinction. Right, right. How big is Wolf Lake? I don't know if I can answer that. It's it's a, a nice sized lake, but not too big. How's that for an answer? Right, but but people report seeing flying discs, flying saucers come out of and enter into this lake. That's correct. And to get off on a slightly different tangent with this, there is one man that lives in the area, and he, as a young boy, lived in uh, the Brooksville area of Florida, which, uh, at least in the past, has been a, a hot UFO spot. And when he was a boy, he was uh, abducted by a ship. His story was eventually made into a movie. And let's see, it was called The Flight of the Navigator. Uh, it's a delightful Oh, yes. I remember that movie. And it's based on, they certainly take it way beyond what he experienced. They made it much more, you know, dramatic and, and uh, you know, to make the movie interesting. But it was initially his experience that inspired that story, that movie, that story. Right, right. That sounds he lives, he lives now in that area uh, near Perry. And um, I think his life has been strange ever since. Uh, he had an implant, uh, which bothered him a lot. And um, he finally was able to find a dentist who was sympathetic to him. And the, uh, the dentist found the implant and took it out. And some of his problems disappeared after that. But he got to the point where he wouldn't report the UFOs anymore because uh, when he did, he found that his computers were shut down or totally destroyed, and it got very expensive just to replace computers. Uh, so he, he kind of clammed up as a source. But um, I thought it was very interesting. He went from the childhood experience uh, and then moved right into the Perry area. Right, right. So he was, was he drawn to the area or did he find himself in North Carolina simply by happenstance? I think it was, I think it was happenstance. Um, uh, in fact, I'm sure that's what it was. <clears throat> his, his family has had, uh, um, like, like old homesteads here probably before they were in, um, Florida, but I can't be sure of that. Now the, the, um, implant, uh, and I'm I'm of two minds on implants. One, we could be looking at some sort of a tracking device by uh, ET, uh, and and uh, this is sort of a common phenomena reported by abductees. Uh, but also, we have the targeted individual who are being who are being targeted by some sinister uh, government force, perhaps hard to say. Uh, who do you think is responsible for these implants in this particular case when we're talking about Perry? Um, I don't know if we can ever be absolute on any of this. The more you learn about these subjects, the more muddled it gets and you see more possibilities. For example, I've gone from uh, years ago thinking that all UFOs were, were from somewhere else. I no longer feel that way. In fact, I think we're fooled a great deal by uh, UFOs that are... Uh, either designed by our military or um, 
I've come to believe that the uh, uh, Nazi groups, uh, Nazi people, and the reptilians were in cahoots for a very long time, and I've written about some of that. There's two articles I've posted uh, about Antarctica recently. In fact, if you're on the homepage of Skyships Over Cashews, you'll see one, uh, you'll see two, one right after the other. One says Antarctica volcanoes helped the Nazi Nazis build secret base, and the other one is uh, Antarctica reptilian aliens helped the Nazis. And it seems like so much science fiction, but the more you dig into this, you go, oh my God, this awful science fiction story maybe more truth than we realize. The idea, the, the idea that reptilians maybe have always been here and uh, when the when the uh, the Nazis were exploring the Antarctic as some place to sort of stash their war plunder, they they discovered this uh, reptilian civilization and they came to some sort of a uh, an agreement. I have, I have the feeling that it was more likely that they were contacted by the uh, reptilians um, before the war. Um, you, you, I know you know about all these stories about the um, uh, Nazis having a type of craft or UFO type craft uh, during World War II. Um, this information from all the sources I can read is that um, that knowledge was provided by the reptilians. Um, they may have been contacted that way first and then later uh, were allowed access to um, uh, the facilities beneath Antarctica. And it's very interesting because you think of Antarctica as just a big sheet of ice and snow. Um, they've been able to use, you know, advanced equipment and they can see what lies beneath the ice. And there are uh, channels or rivers that are underneath that and the most active volcanic ridge in the world is under the western part of Antarctica and the uh, volcanoes have formed underground tubes and caverns, some of them very large and the reptilians converted the uh, volcanic caverns into their under uh, sea or under uh, Antarctica facilities uh, once the Nazis teamed up with the reptilians, they were provided with some of the smaller caverns uh, for their own use. And that has been a place that they have been building um, uh, spacecraft uh, for decades now. Well, there's uh, certainly a lot of interest, a lot of dignitaries going down to the Antarctica recently. I think one of the uh, the patriarchs of the Orthodox Church was recently down there. Of course, uh, John Kerry, former Secretary of State, was recently down there. So, you, you based on your research, you suspect that that Perry, this new Area Fifty One, is a joint U.S. military alien um, um, installation. Correct. There is some kind of cooperation going on, or we wouldn't see so much UFO activity around it. Um, so, yes, I do believe there is some kind of cooperation there. The first person who told me about the facility <clears throat> had grown up in uh, a family that was under guard, so to speak, uh, because her father was had high security clearance in a nuclear warhead production facility. And everybody that worked there was under uh, strict codes of ethics. They could not talk to anybody about it. 
this is actually a woman, and she tells about experiences in the 1950s when she was a child. And she said she even knew of some people who had uh, spoken about things that were going on at this base. And she said uh, they would have heart attacks and turned out to be vegetables. So people were very, very much intimidated. And she had kept this to herself and perhaps her husband and immediate family literally for decades. When I met her, she was, I believe, in her late 60s. I think I got the, the years right. And um, she and her husband kept coming into the, the place where I worked, and they would kind of gingerly start conversations about UFOs with me because they knew about the website. And um, then they started telling me about UFO experiences uh, in the Smoking Out Mountain National Park. And I said, well, why don't we get together? I think you've got a story to share. And so I eventually met them at their camper trailer, expecting to do a story about UFOs. And what they had done was they had been checking me out for months because they wanted to tell about the Perry facility and they wanted to make sure they could trust me. So that's how I be, that's when I first learned about Perry and what was going on there. And that uh, initial contact is one of the ones who told me that this is a facility that's six stories deep. And she said they have uh, electromagnetic ability to wipe out people's memories. That kind of stuck in my head ever since then. Um, and you begin to put these pictures together. And once I put her story on the website, um, I then got a letter um, that was hand-delivered to me uh, by another man, uh, actually had a go-between do it, but he wrote me uh, a letter confirming what this woman had said. And uh, he was real precise, and I, I printed the, his whole letter uh, in my book about the underground facilities, and he just wanted to verify that the lady was telling the truth. And um, I knew from other connections that he indeed had high security clearance. But he was paranoid, too. He did not deliver that message himself to me. He had uh, somebody that we both know uh, deliver it to me. Um, and he was just very, very cautious because they can lose their careers. They can lose, I don't know what all they can lose, but they're very, very scared of letting it be known that they're the ones that are providing the information. He could be your Bob Lazar. Kind of, yeah. Yep. Has and you know, you know what they do to these people? You know about Bob Lazar. I mean, they tried to wipe him out like he never existed. Right. And that's a real common thing. If they don't wipe you out and destroy all your records, uh, they will start putting on information that makes you look like a very dubious character and not trustworthy. And uh, uh, that seems to have been done a lot. How about in this particular case? Has your source, has his, has his record been expunged? This guy is still functioning. He's okay, so we haven't blown his cover. Has he talked to you about, um, you know, back engineering, alien spacecraft, anything like that? Um, he wouldn't go beyond what uh, his letter said. And, I mean, if you're interested, I can read the letter to you. If, if not, I don't have to, but... Uh, if you have uh, it handy, Mary, that would be terrific. Uh, and this is word for word, and he had some things in parentheses, uh, which I explain in the book are not my parentheses. They, he added them himself in the letter. 
He even went to the extreme of changing his style of writing so it couldn't be, uh, you know, we all have a fingerprint in the way we write, and he wanted to make sure there was no fingerprint of his speech patterns in the letter. Okay, here goes. He says, I must remain anonymous, though I have adequately presented myself to an individual who is known to your website and can vouch for my truthfulness. I have an awareness due to the nature of my work and associations of highly classified, <coughs> excuse me, and ongoing government military projects and capabilities. <coughs> I can confirm the truthfulness of the information in a recent article on your website about a secret underground facility beneath the Balsam Mountains of Western North Carolina. The entrance to the facility is hidden beneath the benign-looking Pisca Astronomical Research Institute known as Perry. You might say it's hidden in plain sight because surface equipment and buildings are available to astronomy students and research specialists. The underground facility is at least city-sized and has supporting infrastructure, water, electricity, roads, etc. However, the facility is in a remote area and well-guarded. Outsiders only are welcome <clears throat> by appointment or by special invitation. Uh, what has and is going on beneath Perry is highly classified and possibly only part of a large network of such capabilities and otherwise known as black projects. I am providing this information in a very very circuitous fashion for my own protection, yet I wish to help shine light on the top secret activity in, around, and under the mountains of western North Carolina. Hmm. Uh, when was that letter dated? Um, I put, uh, this book went to press in 2015. It was not too long before it went to press. Uh, the date, um, there was no date on the uh, letter. He simply sent the note. Okay, so sometime no, no. between 2015, sometime between 2015. He gave me the letter on January 18, 2010. Oh, okay. And have there been further correspondence? Uh, no, he doesn't want that to, to happen either. Because every time he would have contact with me, it would put him at risk of possibly being discovered. So that, uh, I've not gone any farther with him. But Perry isn't the only uh, underground base in North Carolina. You mentioned another one underneath the Smoky Mountains National Park. I've written about five of them. One is the Perry. The other one is underneath the Smoky Mountain National Park. One is under Sugarloaf Mountain, which is just west of Chimney Rock State Park. Again, here in, it's near Lake Lure. Some of your uh, listeners may be familiar with those two things. There's one in uh, the Linville Gorge, um, so they're they're uh, in many places. And and are they acknowledged military bases, or are some of them oh. absolutely just off the off the charts? They're off. They're not on the maps, and it's very odd because uh, one of the closest towns to the Perry facility is a town called Roswell. Uh, no, <laughs> oh, it isn't Roswell. It's Rosman. And uh, people, including myself, have seen uh, military vehicles uh, in that area, and there's no military base in the area. So why do we keep seeing military bases or military equipment? And and the uh, <coughs> the other bases, UFO sightings, are they 
are they rampant around these other these other bases? Are they more sightings than than usual? It seems to depend on what's going on. For example, you mentioned the uh, facility beneath the Smoky Mountains National Park. Um, there was that may be the most recent one within uh, Western North Carolina, uh, because from like 2010 to 2013, there was lots of evidence of construction being done uh, beneath the ground, and um, we pretty much have been able to zero in on where the entrance to this facility is, and I have maps and things of that nature in my book. Um, But again, I've been fortunate to get uh, retired military witnesses, and he, one of them even got uh, photos of these huge cargo planes with their tailgates still opening or open coming out from uh, where this entrance would be Um, and so the plane is real low and it hasn't even had time to close uh, the cargo gate which is at the rear end of the cargo plane and there have been uh, Osprey and uh, helicopters and sky cranes Uh, they they have seen um, uh, it would be like the size of a railroad car being uh, dropped by parachute from these vehicles. Uh, so most of what's, you know, during this construction time, there was lots and lots of these, this kind of activity. Uh, we don't see as much anymore because I suspect they have most of it constructed now. Hmm. But they were closing roads. Uh, there's a road called, it's got an Indian name, it's Hind Tugi Road. Um, it was closed for two years, and they said it was because they um, there had been a washout and things of this nature. Well, there was no evidence of any kind of a washout. They had just closed that road off, period. And um, one of the things that's proof that it wasn't a washout is that a reservoir in that area uh, was completely bone dry. And later, <clears throat> people found uh, a 50,000 gallon water tank mostly submerged where the reservoir had once been. And there were pipes going from that, that tank, uh, going down into the ground. So obviously they were using that water, um, as a supply of, uh, of water for what ever was going on beneath the place. Mary Joyce, sorry, Mary Joyce is with us, the author of Underground Military Bases Hidden in North Carolina, and she has identified at least five. Could there be more? Um, I think they're all connected underneath the ground. Uh, The reason I say this is that uh, Perry, for example, is along the Balsam Mountain Ridge, and at certain times uh, people have reported uh, major mechanical sounds from beneath the ground or uh, grinding or different kinds of sounds that only last for a while and then it stops. Um, it we pretty much had concluded that they were using those underground boring machines to create, um, uh, I don't know, transportation tunnels between the different facilities. And there's evidence of this kind of thing all through the spine of the Appalachian Mountains going up uh, close to uh, DC, and I'm sure you're aware of what I believe is the oldest underground facility that is now open to the public, and it was beneath the uh, Greenbrier Hotel in 
right on the border of Virginia and West Virginia. Well, let's talk about that when we come back, if we can. Mary Joyce is with me. Reduce stress and enhance your immune system. ESS-60 from C60 Evo. C60 is the carbon-60 molecule known to deliver more than 172 times the power of vitamin C, 172 times. ESS-60 is the purest form of C60, a known antiviral, antibacterial, and anti-inflammatory remedy that works. ESS-60 neutralizes free radicals from cell metabolization and external toxins to help minimize inflammation and maximize detoxification. Further, people report better sleep, more energy, and renewed mental clarity when they take our ESS-60 organic oil. To order your miracle molecule ESS-60, click on the C60 Evo link in the episode notes for this podcast or go to c60evo.com slash Richard hyphen Serrett. C- C60evo.com slash Richard hyphen Serrett. Buy now and save 10% by using the coupon code EVRS at checkout. Again, use the coupon code EVRS at checkout. Theoretical physicists say that there is as many as 12 hyperdimensions. Here are just three of them. Conspiracy Unlimited. Conspiracy Unlimited. Conspiracy Unlimited. Pretty cool, huh? Uh, here's an extra one. Conspiracy Unlimited. Hey, how about one more? Conspiracy Unlimited. And the great thing is we have six hyperdimensions left. Conspiracy Unlimited. Five. Mary Joyce, welcome back. You were talking about uh, a Greenbrier. Uh, this is a... Um, uh, well, it's Essentially, it's a bunker, is it not? The na- under the National Military Command uh, in Northern Virginia. It's uh, right on the border of West Virginia and Virginia in the mountains. Uh, it's beneath or within um, the Greenbrier Hotel, which to this day is um, a very upscale place where people go. Uh, it has the golf courses and things of that nature. But now you can actually get tours of the bunker facility that was hidden for so many years uh, beneath that hotel. Have you and been? It, it was quite a. Uh, it's it, it was quite extensive, and um, I think if you type in, I can't swear to this, but on our search bar, if you type in um, the Greenbrier, you might get to the article that we've done on it, and you can see photos um, of that facility. So you've been, have you? Uh, I have not been on the tour. I have been uh, by the hotel. What's interesting is we, um, a friend and I, went up to... Um, visit some of the hot springs so we didn't have any of this in mind and as we were driving and approaching um, what are they called the Hampstead Homestead which is another um, upscale resort that's been around forever and we saw this long line of black uh, vehicles um, and we followed them and they went in uh, the back entrance to the homestead. So to this day, those places are still being used for meeting places for people out of Washington, D.C. Why, why do you suppose they opened this one up to the public? Why, would they, why so would they tip out, their hand? so out of date, which to me just gives us proof that whatever they've got built now has to be so much further developed 
uh, if they're letting us see these facilities. Uh, I think the word got out, um, you know, through the rumor mill that this existed and to the point where they couldn't deny that it existed and they just decided to um, acknowledge it since it was so out of date. Now, have you coordinated at all with Peter Davenport at the National UFO Reporting Center? I'm just wondering if you might be able to find that those particular underground bases, whether there might, they may be a, a real cluster there of UFO sightings. I mean, he would be able to provide that data, I'm sure. That's really a good idea. And no, I haven't. And yes, I should. How's that for an answer? <laughs> Uh, or move on, I suppose. But uh, I mean, I, I I was thinking of Peter because he's a good friend of the show, and uh, uh, I just think his work is great. It's terrific, and it's what a database he has there. Um, what sorts? Of- uh, we do, we do send him our notices. We do uh, send out notices to people who are interested whenever we update the website, and when we have new postings regarding sightings, we do always send it to them. What sorts of craft are seen in and around these bases? What do they look like? Um, let's the ones that I've, I've heard about as close as possible to the um, facilities are more like the saucer-shaped ones. The stereotypical one, you know, that it's sort of like the old Billy Meyer type images. Sure. Sure. Uh, that would be the most common. But we have seen all different kinds of UFOs in this area, and the the, the appearance is, you know, they're very, very different. Uh, the most different ones have been seen over cachers. We've gotten photos of them. They're on our under um, Skyship photos at the moment. I can't tell you what year it is, maybe two or three years back. But there were UFOs that looked like asteroids, and they were close enough so that the photos give you a whole lot of detail. Uh, but they wouldn't; they they could stay suspended in one place and then move. They didn't move like an asteroid would move. Uh, then we've had UFOs that are cigar shaped. We've had them where um, they're like more like a, a decorative cake where you see multiple layers. Uh, we see the ones that are spheres. Um, We've seen a lot of phenomena, which just makes you wonder. There was one, and again, we were able to get pictures of it, where you see, I think it was four lights in the sky, and then they kind of morphed. Um, as they morphed, they went from being like UFOs. Uh, then they turned into letter or numbers in the sky, and we had the numbers 16, 19 uh, in the sky above Cashers, and then it morphed and disappeared. Um, so the kind of things that we see in the sky are quite strange. Some of it I describe as like finger painting, uh, where obviously they're moving so fast that within one camera shot, uh, the movement is caught and it will be in colors. And it almost looks like somebody's dipped their um, a finger in a bowl of rainbow paint and just swirled it on the in the in the sky. So the phenomena is. Quite different. I cannot explain why we have so many different kinds here, uh, but they definitely are not all the same. What brought you to North Carolina, by the way? Um, that kind of gets into my strange life. Um, I've always felt like I was drawn to come up here. And actually, in a spiritual message, I was told, don't worry about it. When it's time for you to go there, it will be really, really clear. Well, at the time, I was living on a lake in the Ocala National Forest, 
and we had a huge drought and um, I decided to apply to teach at the Cherokee Indian Reservation which is very close to where I am um, and we took it as a sign because the place where I lived when we returned to it after being at this interview the um, there were four ways into the forest where we were and I literally saw one tree fall and cr cross one road it eventually all but one road had been um, blocked by trees falling because it was so dry so you have sandy soil and not water and the trees come down and I just took that as a sign well I think it's time to go to North Carolina so coming up here had nothing um, to do with UFOs so I had seen UFOs in Florida when I lived down there I used to live uh, on the beach between Patrick Air Force Base and the Kennedy Space Center and um, saw a number of UFOs down there the, the, the military bases, are, do you suspect that they are to be found across the United States in remote, very remote locations? For example, uh, are we likely to see underground bases where, wherever we have large national parks, forested areas? Uh, I believe it's to their advantage where they can't be observed easily. Um, and that's that would be true of all these places. And if they will, the the government will actually buy up land to create buffer zones. Uh, I'll give you a specific example. Uh, there is a facility beneath um, Sugarloaf Mountain, which is near the Chimney Rock facility in Lake and the government has brought up uh, bought additional uh, parkland so that this place can only be approached by one road. It can't be approached from, let's say. Well, just one road in now. And uh, the first time I was there, that road was a hairpin gravel road all the way up. Uh, not easy to travel. Um, it has since been um, upgraded. Uh, huge electrical cables had been put in. Um, we actually talked to people who had seen as many as 20 of those huge electric trucks at one time on that road and again it was a narrow gravel road originally and they installed cables that were like 10 inches in diameter that went up the mountain and at the top of the mountain there are only eight houses so there is no excuse for having that kind of uh, electrical power being sent up there and when you get up to the top then those cables go under the ground um, so I don't know where I started out with all of that, but well, uh, well, I was asking a glimpse of yes. the electrical power that's there. I was asking you about the remote location of these underground bases because that that leads me to this question, and that is the work of David Politas uh, of Canada for or, um, missing 411, this series of uh, books detailing all of the people that go missing in national parks uh, across North America. So I'm just wondering if there might be a connection between these UFO underground bases and all of these missing persons in national parks. And, of course, the National Park Service is very, very reluctant to release data on this. Um, I don't know what his final conclusion is about all these disappearances. I know that at least at one point he was trying to blame them on the Bigfoot, which I totally, totally disagree with. Um, but... The more I learn, um, the more I get into this weird world I really didn't wish to have existed, but it does. 
And um, the Nazis are still operating, as I said, in Antarctica, and they continue to use slave labor. So where is the slave labor coming from? Um, that's one thing. They, uh, another thing is that there is uh, a group of um, aliens that some, the little people call the dominators, and they're very afraid of the dominators. And they say the dominators refer to the earth as the farm, uh, and that this is, they like to, it's so gross, but they like to eat people, especially um, young children, which might explain why some, so many young children are disappearing. But we've had uh, an, 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 a whole lot of uh, people with special expertise, medical people, uh, scientists, who have also disappeared. And perhaps they're being taken so that their knowledge can be used uh, for these unknown powers. So let's, in the time that remains, talk about the Nazi connection. These uh, Antarctic bases, these joint Nazi uh, alien bases uh, that uh, perhaps are being uncovered now because of uh, the melting ice, which is perhaps why so many dignitaries are flocking down there to see what's going on. But what do those bases in the Antarctic uh, that were uh, sort of joint Nazi bases, joint Nazi alien bases uh, that were begun in the 1940s. What do they have to do with North Carolina in 2018? What do the, what do the Nazis have to do with North Carolina in this uh, day and age? One of the if people want to get into a lot of good research. William Tompkins, uh, who died, I think, about a year ago. Uh, was involved in uh, Navy intelligence uh, during World War II. He was also involved at NASA at the very highest levels and worked with people like uh, Werner von Braun. Um, his book is just jam-packed with uh, information. So anybody who um, wants to, to really delve into this, he's a good source. And he is one of the people that I found very credible who talks about this reptilian uh, Nazi alliance and uh, uh, he, when you get that information from somebody with his kind of credentials, you have to take a big gulp and go, oh, my goodness, this could really, really be true. Um, the article that we have um, called Antarctica, Re Reptilian Aliens Help Nazis, uh, I do quote uh, William Tompkin to some degree uh, regarding that. Uh, so your listeners might, when they have a few moments, enjoy taking a look at that article. But but could you maybe just maybe give us a, a bit of a synopsis? The Nazis have they supposedly lost World War II, but I don't think they really lost the big battle. There is evidence of Nazi influence in our corporations and in our government. Um, I did a story on William Pollock, who was another man with excellent credentials, uh, who's no longer living. Uh, he did the secu high security um, designs for Air Force One and for Area 51. And he um, had an experience where he was at Tonopah, which is a little bit more unknown to the public than Area 51, but they're both in Nevada. And he was called <clears throat> to a meeting and um, at Tonopah, and the building that they met in, this airplane came in and cruised right up to the door. A man got out with a bodyguard and I think a briefcase, and he was dressed in 
um, like high-style European uh, clothing and shoes, this man went to the back of the meeting, listened to everyone report on what they had been doing. Um, at the very end, he spoke just briefly. He was never identified, but when he did speak, it was in high German. Um, Bill Pollack uh, came to the awful conclusion that uh, the Nazis are very much involved in what's going on in our country today. And he says it's much more extensive uh, than what we realize. Which is, it's interesting. I mean, uh, Joseph Farrell has written a great deal about this, the Nazi international, how the, the German army surrendered at the uh, close of the Second World War, but the, the third, the, the officers of the Third Reich the the uh, the vice chancellor etc never did so the nazis never r- surrendered so the idea i guess is that they moved their base of operation uh from berlin uh to where south america the antarctic and eventually to the united states that's my understanding also from all the research i've done you're right so as we wrap up hour 1 uh here mary uh, what is the takeaway here in terms of these underground bases, and what are you going to be doing uh, next in terms of investigating these bases? I should mention one more. I, I told you that there were five, and the one that I forgot to mention is under Mount Mitchell. So for those who are interested, there's one under the Pisco Astronomical Research Institute, one under uh, uh, Glenville or Linville Gorge, one under Sugarloaf Mountain near Chimney Rock, one under the Great Smoky Mountain National Park, and one under Mount Mitchell. So those are the ones that I have been fortunate enough to uh, meet people, usually with high security clearance, who just want to blow the whistle on what's going on. So um, I'm really bad. I start walk, uh, talking, and then I forget what your original question was. That's all right. Um, uh, I just, I guess, what's well, what's the next stage here in terms of your investigating these bases? Are you looking for more whistleblowers? Um, I wasn't looking for any of these whistleblowers. Um, they all contacted me initially uh, because of the website. And so they have really sought me out, and most of them have spent time checking me out before they decide to share their stories. Um, so I don't know if I can make the stories happen, uh, because up to this point I have not been the one who's made them happen. All right. Once again, uh, the website is skyshipsovercashiers.com. Skyshipsovercashiers.com. And um, uh, where can people get a copy of the book, Underground Bases Hidden in North Carolina? Um, I have all the books available on Amazon. And it's the Underground Military Bases Hidden in North Carolina Mountains. There's one, Cherokee Little People Were Real. Um, and the third one is totally different, and it's called Tangible Evidence of Jesus Left Behind for Us to Find. They're all available on Amazon. If you want to learn a little bit more about each one, go to the website, skyshipsovercashers.com, and do a quick scroll to the bottom of the editor's corner, and there'll be a little summary of each of the books. Mary, you good to talk Cherokee little people when we come back? Uh, if you like. Excellent. All right, stand by. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. 
show. And remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting. <laughs> <laughs>